Welcome to the Weird History Podcast. I'm Joe Streckert. This is an independent, listener-supported show. To support it, go to weirdhistorypodcast.com. Almost any article or essay about race and fascist Italy, including this podcast episode, I suppose, will open with a common caveat. Even though there was racism in fascist Italy, it was not nearly as prevalent as the racism in Nazi Germany. And that's true. That is literally and actually true. The racism and the racial policies and the genocide in Nazi Germany were much, much worse than anything that happened under Mussolini. Orders of magnitude worse. However, that does not let Italy off the hook. Not at all. Nazi Germany is not the right thing to compare fascist Italy to. When you're looking at racial policies in Italy under fascism, don't go one country over. Don't look at their fellow member of the Axis powers. I think a more appropriate yardstick is to compare Italy to Italy. Because if you look at the liberal period, that is the kingdom of Italy between state creation and the rise of fascism, things are a lot better for Jews. And this is going to be about Jews in particular, but Ethiopians are also going to show up in this episode. Things are a lot better for ethnic and religious minorities in the liberal period than in the fascist period. That is a more appropriate comparison. And when you see that comparison, racism under Mussolini doesn't look like Hitler-like. You can see it as the tragedy it was for Italy and for people who live there. Because being less racist than Hitler is a really, really low bar. But before I go any further, I feel like there is something we need to get out of the way when we're talking about race and racial policies and all of that. And that is, biological race is not a thing. We've known this for a long time. Scientists, anthropologists, experts on humans and human types and human genes and human behavior and all that, they don't really believe in race, broadly speaking. It's complicated, but that's basically what it boils down to. One of the best books debunking notions of biological race and a lot of the attendant pseudoscience that came along with it is The Mismeasure of Man by Stephen Jay Gould, who was wonderful. He wrote that in 1981, he reissued it in 1996, and here is what Gould has to say about the existence of race as something encoded into our DNA. He says, quote, Biologists have recently stipulated, as long suspected, that overall genetic differences among human races are astonishingly small. Although frequencies for different states of gene differ among races, we have found no race genes, that is, states fixed in certain races and absent from all others. If the Holocaust comes, and a small tribe deep in the New Guinea forest are the only survivors, almost all the genetic variation now expressed among the innumerable groups of our five billion people will be preserved, unquote. The world now has seven billion people, but the point still stands. Race's foundation is not in biology, but in human society and institutions. It is a social construct. It exists because we say it does. And acknowledging that something is a social construct is not the same as saying that it is not real. Plenty of social constructs are very real for a lot of people, like 
race, money, the idea of property, notions of friendship, society, that sort of thing. But their foundation is in our human beliefs and behavior, not in some immutable universal truth that exists outside of humanity, or rather inside of humanity, if you're talking about DNA. It was this notion about biological race, though, that was at the heart of a lot of Nazi beliefs. Nazis believed that you could indeed divide humanity up into a kind of taxonomy. They believed in pseudoscience that said such and such people had such and such characteristics, and they were biologically determined. Nazis in Germany were those kinds of racist. Mussolini, and a lot of Italian fascists, didn't subscribe to this version of racism. Prior to the alliance with Hitler, Mussolini actually mocked notions of biological race in interviews. Uh, he dismissed it as pseudoscience. Like I mentioned last episode, his relationship with Hitler was initially rocky. And part of that is because he thought Hitler's emphasis on notions of biological race and breaking humans down into different biological categories was silly. However, it is very possible to reject notions of biological race, to just see race as a social construct, and still be racist, and still be exclusionary, and generally not have chill about various people's backgrounds. So beliefs about race and racism in Italy and Germany were different. In Germany, it was based on pseudoscience and notions of biology, and in Italy, it was more tied in with notions of nationalism. And I really want to emphasize here that fascist Italian racism was not something that was just imported from Germany. Left to its own devices, Italy could be plenty racist on its own, especially in its African colonies. Hey, remember they took over Ethiopia? In Ethiopia, even before Italy had established any kind of amicable relationship with Hitler, there was already plenty of exclusion, plenty of racism, and plenty of segregation between black and white populations there. This is a quote from Mussolini's Italy by R.J.B. Bosworth uh, about how Italy did things in its colony. Quote, Fascist administration of Ethiopia was underpinned by legislation including the categorization of race into everyday life. From April 19, 1937, it became illegal for blacks and whites to marry. The plans for grandiose urban development in the empire were based on rigorous segregation of native people from their white masters. As an engineer put it in classically racist phraseology, we must ban natives from any access to our cities unless we can force them to pass through a sort of station of human reclamation. In a perfect colonial city, the destruction of bugs and the disinfection of clothing must be carried out in a totalitarian fashion. As the other imperial powers had done to their indigenous populations, so in Ethiopia the fascist government rapidly took over the best local land and distributed it to Italian immigrants, unquote. So that's some vintage colonial racism right there, perceiving the people you take over as literally unclean, excluding them from centers of power, not allowing them to participate in civil life, and making sure that your own colonial group gets all the best stuff in the country they took. That was in 1937 no Nazi influence needed. And you can go back even further. Mussolini was on record for making racist statements as far back as the 1920s. Here's Mussolini talking about race in 1928. He said, quote, 
When the city dies, the nation, deprived of the young lifeblood of a new generation, is now made up of people who are old and degenerate and cannot defend itself against a younger people. By the way, he's talking about people as in like peoples, as in different nations, which launches an attack on the now unguarded frontiers. This will happen, and not just to cities and nations, but on an infinitely greater scale. The whole white race, the Western race, can be submerged by other colored races, which are multiplying at a rate unknown to our race. Unquote. Those comments came in the context of Mussolini wringing his hands about low birth rates in Italy and other European countries. Back in episode 116, I talked about the war for births, when the fascist party encouraged everybody to have just scads and scads of babies, when people were literally getting awards for having babies. A very common element of fascist ideas is the idea that nations, that civilizations, if you want to call them that, are in competition with each other, that things are transactional and zero-sum, and that there's this constant demographic race going on. Fascists cultivate feelings of Western civilization, whatever that is, being besieged constantly by a much, much larger swarm of everybody in not Western civilization. And they see the home civilization as something in constant need of defense. This is very different from liberalism, as in like capitalism, which is all about exchange, trade, rising tides, lifting all boats, and also socialism, which sees solidarity among different groups based on their material lot in life, regardless of, say, their racial, religious, or ethnic background or whatever. So really, when fascism takes the nation and nationalism and nationness is kind of its starting point, it kind of can't not be racist. From the beginning, it is prejudiced, it is exclusionary, it is hidebound in ways that competing ideologies aren't. And this doesn't have to be rooted in biology. You don't have to have Hitler-like notions of race genes. Mussolini and other Italian fascists saw race and national identity as something that was rooted in spirituality, tradition, national character, upbringing, who your parents were, what language you spoke, what kind of holidays you had growing up, what was important to you, all of that stuff that we would acknowledge is, yes, a social construct, but they still managed to be plenty racist. So that's all outward-facing. That's all about, you know, looking at other civilizations as if they're barbarians at the gates or racial policies directed at Ethiopians. Uh, when it came to discrimination on the Italian peninsula itself, though, that was directed squarely at Jews. And this is an instance where we do see the influence of Nazi Germany on fascist Italy. Uh, prior to the fascist period, there was anti-Semitism in Italy. It did exist, but it was not very widespread. It was not influencing, say, law or policy. The pre-fascist liberal government was secular. It pretty much ignored matters like religion. If some people wanted to be Catholic, or others wanted to be Protestant, or others wanted to be Jewish, the government did not care. Much, by the way, to the Catholic Church's chagrin. Under fascism, all of that changed. So, we already had Lateran Accords of 1929, where Mussolini cut a deal with the Catholic Church. Uh, and Roman Catholicism did become the official religion of the Italian government. Now, that alone implicitly says to any non-Catholics, any Protestants, Jews, 
anyone else, they are second-class citizens. Having an official religion of any kind for any country sends a message to people living there that if you don't subscribe to this, you're not like real citizens. Anyway, after that, you could still be Protestant or you could still be Jewish and say, own property or be a member of the fascist government or that sort of thing. But in July of 1938, the Italian fascist government published a document called the Manifesto of Race, which declared that Italians were indeed Aryans, members of the imaginary racial supergroup that the Nazis were really into. This is going to get maybe a little weird for a moment, but there's no such thing as Aryan. This is really a topic for another podcast, but the idea that there was some like primal ur group of white people who founded all civilizations ever is complete pseudo-history. But the Nazis, they had these beliefs that the more Nordic certain Europeans were, uh, the more pure and more Aryan they were. So white people who were all blonde-haired, blue-eyed, and pale-skinned, super Aryan. White people who were less that, well, less pure and less Aryan. And this uh, kind of presents a problem when you're dealing with Italy. Many people of Italian heritage, like me, are... How can I put this? Swarthy. <laughs> Dark of hair and eyes. Um, We are white. We read as white. But somebody such as myself is pretty far away from uh, Nordic. So you have a country of people who are decidedly not blonde-haired, not blue-eyed, and who are maybe a little bit on the tan side. They don't look like what Nazis thought like perfect pure white people should look like. But in 1938, Mussolini declares that Italians are, in fact, Aryan. That Italians are not Latins, uh, they're not Mediterraneans necessarily, they are people who migrated down from Northern Europe, who crossed the Alps, and who later on colonized the Italian peninsula. And Mussolini declares Italians to be Aryans of the Mediterranean type. So yeah, Mussolini basically said, hey, the people who live in Italy have much more in common with, say, folks from Bavaria than, say, anybody who lives in, like, Greece or Sicily. Uh, that's weird. A few months later, in October of 1938, the ideas put forward in the Manifesto of Race were made law, and discrimination came to the Italian peninsula. Jews were stripped of their citizenship. They were banned from the civil service, they were banned from the army, from the fascist party, and they were barred from teaching or attending schools or universities. Jewish business owners were restricted about what they could do and what they could own. Jewish professionals and intellectuals, they saw their names published on watch lists, and books by Jewish academics and writers were pulled from circulation, and intermarriage between Jews and Catholics was banned. One side effect of removing Jews from Italian public life? Mussolini had to get a new dentist. And this targeted other racial groups as well. There were provisions in these racial laws for Africans and anybody else who wasn't white. But that was nothing new. Recall Italy had been very good at oppressing black people without these racial laws for a while now. After Mussolini adopted the Nazi-inspired race law, he did get into a scuffle with a great big Italian institution he'd made a deal with recently, the Catholic Church. I don't want to give you the impression that the Catholic Church in this era was some bastion of equality or progressivism? It wasn't. But the Catholic Church did have issues with how the race laws were promulgated. So 
the church did throw a lot of fuel on the fire of anti-Semitism. There was plenty of anti-Semitism that the church created. But the church's opposition to Jews wasn't ethnic. It was religious. It was the policy of the Catholic Church that they should convert. And once they converted, they were fine. That is what the Catholic Church thought about literally everyone else from every other religion in the world. And it was their goal to take all of the peoples on earth and put them under the umbrella of Holy Mother Church. Catholic means universal, after all. So, knowing this, many Italian Jews, after the 1938 race laws came into effect, converted to Catholicism. A lot of the anti-Semitism that they were familiar with said, oh, once you convert, you'll be fine. But those 1938 laws were not about religion. They were about ethnicity. They were about notions of biological race. And a lot of Jews found that even after they had said the right words and done the right rituals, it was not enough. They were still discriminated against. They were still banned from public life, and they were still not allowed to marry non-Jews. This was a sticking point with the Catholic Church. Um, Pope Pius XI very much wanted marriages between Jewish converts and non-Jews to be honored. He also very much wanted Jews to, you know, join his particular organization. But no dice. Converts were still considered Jews. This was about the point, by the way, when Pope Pius XI realized that Mussolini was not the guy who was going to bring Catholicism and churchiness back to Italy. Uh, Apparently, towards the end of his life, he really regretted a lot of the deals that he had previously made with the dictator. However, by this point, Pius XI was old, frail, and in very poor health. He was not able to launch an effective defense of people who tried to dodge the race laws by converting. Another problem was that the Vatican Secretary of State at the time, Eugenio Pacelli, was uh, much more accommodating to Mussolini and Hitler, and kind of ran interference between Mussolini and the Pope. And later on, the more accommodating Pacelli would become Pope at the height of World War II as Pius XII. And when that happens, a lot of opposition to the race laws that could have come from the Catholic Church withers away. By the way, Jews were never a huge population in Italy. We're talking about less than one-tenth of one percent of the whole population. And in the end, 7,500 Italian Jews would be sent to die in the Holocaust. That might sound like a small number. And it is small when compared to the millions of people from, say, Poland or Germany who were killed by the Nazi regime. But at the same time, sending anyone to die in the Holocaust is too many. I would submit that it's impossible to have only a little bit of genocide. But why bother with all this racial discrimination stuff? What's the point? What's it get you? I mean, in the end, it gets you nothing, really. But why do people feel like they benefit from this? What's the motivation for people in Italy to embrace anti-Semitism, to embrace racism? Why bother with hateful BS? Well, Populations and regimes latch onto racial prejudice for a lot of reasons, but one of the big ones is that it can give people who perceive themselves to be outsiders or low status the illusion of status. I've quoted Fascist Modernities by Ruth Ben-Ghiat before, and I'm going to do so again because it's probably the best book about Italy that I read for this, 
And here's Ben Giat on how demonizing Jews emboldened Italians. It played into feelings of nationalism, and it gave them a feeling of rising up in the world, of status. Ben Giat says, quote, The racial laws represented the culmination of a tradition of blaming internal others for Italy's supposed backwardness and subordinate position in the hierarchy of European nations. These concerns had traditionally received expression in discussions of the Italian South, which had been marked as a realm of primitivity and deviance since the Risorgimento period. After 1938, the Jew took on this function, becoming a repository for all the negative qualities and tendencies, individualism, criminality, lack of martial feeling, that had long been used to characterize Southern Italians and that had long formed part of foreigner stereotypes of Italians as a whole. Reconfigured as Aryans, the racial theorist Giulio Cogni reasoned the Italians would no longer be seen as short and dark singing simpletons, blasphemous bandits with brown faces and assassins' eyes. Jews now had a monopoly on that image instead. Depictions of Jews as atavistic and criminal forces inside a nation were the stock and trade of anti-Semitic propaganda everywhere in Europe. Among Italians who were haunted by the specter of backwardness, the racial laws may have had a vindicatory as well as a unifying function. Unquote. So you're an Italian. You have a new country. Other countries make fun of your country. They see you as backward, primitive, poor. You can shift that to somebody else. You can take all the umbrage and the low status and everything and put it on someone else. And that will give you the illusion of high status. That will give you the illusion of actually making some progress in the world. But pretensions to national or racial greatness led Italy ultimately nowhere. Next episode will bring us up to the beginning of World War II. And Italy, a country that's cloaked itself in the iconography of war, battle, conquest, and empire, will fare badly. Very badly. Just because you can rattle a saber, that doesn't mean you can wield one. This podcast is ad-free because you support it. Go to weirdhistorypodcast.com and sign up to become a monthly supporter. That would be most excellent of you. And thank you to everyone who has done so already. We're on iTunes. Give us ratings and reviews. Uh, give us stars, all that. I very much like hearing what you think of the show. And the best way to do that is to go give us a rating and let me and the rest of the world know your thoughts about the podcast. Uh, we're on social media. Facebook.com slash Weird History Podcast, and I am on Twitter at Joe's Trekkert. Thank you very much for listening. Talk to you next week. Bye. Mm-hmm.